Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Oracle. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. My name is Brian Moran, and today I want to welcome the one and only Cliff Oxford to our podcast. Cliff is the founder of the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs and a columnist for Forbes and the New York Times. Previously, Cliff founded STI Knowledge, an IT company which specialized in the development of knowledge-based systems and services for Fortune 1000 companies. For three consecutive years, STI made the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies. And I'm proud to add that Cliff is a member of the SMB Experts, a panel comprised of today's top small and mid-sized business thought leaders and sponsored by Oracle. Welcome to the show, Cliff Oxford. Thanks, Brian. Looking forward to chatting with you today. Absolutely. And today we're going to talk about uh, something that I know that, that uh, you have a lot of expertise in, and that is technology. And more importantly, technology's disruption of business as we know it. So, Cliff, today tech is everywhere, right? It's, it's from the cars we drive to the refrigerators that store our food. Technology has transformed the way we work, the way we eat, sleep, and, and even the way we communicate. Um, it's taken over really almost every aspect of our lives, the way we live, right? So my first question to you is, is this a good thing? You know, as a, as a business person, as a parent, uh, as a person interested in uh, how we can improve society, I think uh, it's a good thing across the board. You know, mm-hmm. I'll give you two quick examples. You know, uh, although my kids are out of college now, well, they came up through the iPhone age and you know, they got 13, 14, and they, they stand on their iPhone. And instead of saying, you know, no, and put that away and get involved in that, I told my son, I want you to uh, learn everything you can about the iPhone and how it, and program in it. Wow. And, um, and then just yesterday, Spotify uh, showed us how it's a great uh, mover for businesses because Instead of the the old drill of the roadshow, the IPO roadshow, uh, where you run from hotel to hotel, city to city, right? Mostly with a lot of hangovers. <laughs> um, uh, they had a three hour webcast. They said that's our roadshow. You know, it's done. Our road, yeah. our roadshow is done. Yeah. Can you imagine that as an entrepreneur going back and working in your business instead of staying on the six you know six months on the road talking to you know, eight guys in a hotel room. <laughs> right, right. So, so it, well, it's interesting that that you, you bring that up because what you're what you're talking about is how technology is automating some of the more mundane practices in our business. That and and so freeing us up, business owners, to look at the bigger picture and to run our businesses more efficiently and effectively. Is that the case? Yeah, I think I think that's very much the case, and you know, I I don't think anywhere in human history can we look and see where a civilization went fifty years backwards and and it improved their lives. I think um, progress is is always on the winning side. Mm-hmm. Now, like anything else, it can be overdone, mm-hmm. but um, uh, the technology as a whole is a positive. 
uh, for us as human beings. Right. You know, one of one of the downsides maybe I see in technology, and maybe there's a silver lining in this, is that um, you know, with some of my clients, uh, even though technology has automated some of their more common uh, practices and programs, um, they still struggle with taking their business to the next level. And so to me, I think what that does, because they, they were so used to focusing on those mundane practices, right? Putting out the same fires, doing right. the same things. And I think what happened is technology exposed the fact that the biggest obstacle in their path is maybe a fear of of growing your business, of, of taking it out of the comfort zone that it's in and taking it to the next level. Uh, do you see that in, in some companies? Do you see that maybe technology is actually exposing our weaknesses? Yeah, you know, I um, with our 500 and so members of the Oxford Center, we're entrepreneurs that are between somewhere between hyper growth and human scale, what we call human scale. Uh, I'm constantly one of my I, one of my top three jobs every day with those entrepreneurs is pushing them out of their comfort mm-hmm. zone. You know, uh, for instance, you know, I, one of the sports I've really never liked is is the NASCAR thing. And although it's quite popular in many areas, mm-hmm. I never liked it. But, you know, I went down there and spent a day at, in the pits yeah. at a NASCAR show. And I said, you know, I'm going to go do this because I don't understand this. Yeah. And, you know, I probably wouldn't go back for the second day. But uh, the first day I learned a lot that yeah. day. Why are people so culturally attached to this brand? Mm-hmm. I got to ask some questions. So, you know, I think we can use technology very easy for us to stay in the comfort zone Mm -hmm. or get out of the comfort. I think it also can help us get out of the comfort zone. I mean, you know, we can be in another world now, or I should say another continent now in a matter of hours. Why not go there? Uh, So I think it's the way we look at it, but it's, Human beings, even entrepreneurs, fast-growth entrepreneurs, the most high-risk people in, their, in, in the world, will find themselves getting back to, to the comfort right. zone if, they're not, if we're not pushed right. out. Right. Of it's, it's very comfortable in there. <laughs> it's very comfortable it's Stress-free. There it's, uh, we feel like, uh, you know, one entrepreneur asked me, Cliff, the reason I'm doing all this work is for me to get comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me. You're constantly making me uncomfortable, yeah. and I'm trying to get comfortable. That's why I'm working around sure, the clock. Sure. Uh, so, um, you know, if you get comfortable, you're going to get stale. And that's right. in many cases. Uh, I, I wrote in the morning report a few weeks ago, and I got a lot of, I got a lot of playback on it. And I said the, the most miserable people I know in the world are billionaires now. Yeah, clubs. yeah. I remember that. And it's funny you mentioned that morning report because I do want to put a plug in for you because I know you – Maybe you wouldn't do it for yourself, but your morning report, which is a newsletter, it's one minute before daylight, is is arguably one of the best pieces of journalism that I read. And and I I well, that's really a big yeah, big I've told wow. you that. Yeah. That's really flattered me on that with your background I and everything and that. I what love it. I read it every yeah, it morning because I can part, part in part I can hear your voice and now I'm hoping that anybody who signs up for it and uh, and to receive it um, will will do the same that they'll hear your voice as you're talking about some of the companies being <laughs> featured that day but I do I love the morning report so kudos to you well thank you thank you and that's um, a lot of a lot of the content in there is 
not only getting entrepreneurs informed, but getting them out of their comfort zone. You know, I'm constantly kind of nagging at them to, hey, you know, have you done this yet? Do you know about this yet? What are you doing about mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, the good news is, you know, people tell me they learn a lot from it. Yeah, I can see that. Not nearly, not nearly as much as I learned from everybody on the comments and everything. It's so, um, but that was a whole idea was to help people get out of their comfort mm-hmm. zone and see what's out there available. So, so let's talk a little bit about your, your members too. Um, Yep. You know, you, you have some of the most impressive companies, uh, you know, that I've seen in, in the U.S. or even around the world. I mean, they are hyper growth focused companies in large part. So are they, you know, keeping in the vein of, of how technology is disrupting business? Do you see your entrepreneurs building technology companies or are they building companies that rely on technology to grow their businesses? You know, it's like. I got an entrepreneur in the um, real estate business, and he he has about 900 real estate agents and brokers. And he's like, you know, really, I'm an educator in in the real estate. This happens to be in the a real mm-hmm. estate company. Uh, I'm constantly educating agents. That's my job. My job is not to sell houses; to educate right. agents. And um, so, you know the. It, it now is even the, a cement company in Southern Georgia. You wouldn't believe how astute they may be on social media yeah. right now. You would be, a, you know, maybe not the depth of some, okay? You don't have the depth, but they're out there using, you know, using social media. They are using text. So, uh, and that's the big difference. Right. So they're all kind of a technology overlay now. I, I don't know what business you could grow, not just sustain, but grow without having some, your fingerprints on technology. And, um, but we've pride ourselves on that. Our companies are, our number, you know, our top three and our uh, members are one is multi-unit restaurant operators. Mm -hmm. The second are MDs who are entrepreneurs. Yeah. And third are are, are technology, technology, the technology folks. But, we, you know, I have a great company, um, a firewood company down in southern Georgia that sells firewood that you may find at Kroger or the grocery stores in the little bundles. Yeah. And um, they got it totally automated. I mean, not the, the, you know, climate change has not helped us, <laughs> but nobody's burning wood like they used to. But he is as automated, uh, you know, as as a GE division would be, as, as as far as that. So it's it's really exciting to see. I think I think today is the best time you could ever be in business. I I, I totally agree with that. I, I do. Yeah. You know, tech, I spent half my career publishing magazines and newspapers in corporate America, and I've spent the other half of my career, you know, running my own companies. This is now my third company, and I have to tell you. I can't think of a better time. And maybe it's because of all the mistakes that I've made in my previous companies. Maybe I spoke for both of We finally learned from those. Right, maybe. Right. And I'm it. still, you know, hopefully young enough that I can, I can learn from my lessons and actually build a, a company that uh, is worth buying someday. But um, no, I, I would agree with that. And it's funny you mentioned your, your um, firewood company. You know, I, I see them using uh, technology for inventory control, supply chain logistics, um, making changes in real time, right? Okay, you, you know, uh, uh, we need to get, you know, 
wood from, you know, this one location to another, you know, because there's a, a winter storm coming up and, you know, we're going to be out of, of wood in this area if we don't resupply them, you know. Yeah, it's the only way they've survived, you know, that have survived and uh, through the terrible drop off in customers mm -hmm. because of the, you know, the cold weather is not as frequent as right. it used to be. Uh, but they they were they, they have survived and they will continue to to do quite well because they automated and used technology to such extent that it overcame that you know the headwinds in the market and I think we all got to get ready you you know if you stay in business long enough you're going to hit some headwinds yeah just like they hit mm -hmm. and you've got to be you know creative and survive it and and, and find better ways and and the, the Pioneer Firewood Company down in Albany, Georgia, um, is a great example of that. So now that's that also begs another very important question. So as we're running our businesses, and for our listeners out there, um, when how can you use technology or the data that you have access to to determine when you need to pivot your business? versus when something's simply an aberration. And I'll give you an example. I hate traffic jams, right? I hate them with a passion. Right. And I will drive two hours out of my way to go to a, you know, somewhere that's 30 minutes away if it means that I can avoid sitting in traffic. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, uh, you know, with the advent of, uh, you know, these GPS systems, uh, now, I mean, they must have been invented for me because I can't thank the people enough who did it. But, you know, when you're looking and saying, OK, it's going to take me, you know, 35 minutes to get somewhere. Oh, and there's a, you know, a little red line in the path of where I'm where I'm where I'm now and to where I'm going. Um, OK, so that looks like maybe a three minute traffic jam. And I get there and I see a traffic is stopped, but I know it's only three minutes and I can live with that. As, a, as opposed to right. me trying to guess, is this three minutes or is it 30 minutes? So, um, you know, that sort of technology has really helped uh, people like me and in, in my business, you know, using technology like that to determine when I need to pivot my business versus when something's simply an aberration and I should stay the course. Boy, that's a really tough, tough question because that's a yeah. that's a make or break call right there. And quite frankly, you're asking, you know, that's not just a do we have a good day or a bad day. That that's a make or break call. And you know, by the way, I, I'm a I'm a ways mm -hmm. lover. I used ways yesterday, and it pro it's, it's just amazing what those guys have done. And I just think they're brilliant. I mean, um, so um, but you know, as good to, to your question. When to pivot? I think you got. This is where you got to be well read. You know, I tell people, you want to be an entrepreneur, be curious, well there read. And don't be quit. curious, well read, and don't quit. Love it. Because if you you need to be well read, because those things are going to happen. Right. And those and if you've got an idea of where the trends are going and where the market is, and uh, and that's another reason for the morning report to keep these entrepreneurs kind of okay. We're, this is where the world is today, mm -hmm. and this is where it's going. Um, I think you're much better equipped to do that. Right. I think otherwise you're guessing. I mean, you're just pure guessing and good luck, you know, 
on red and black in Vegas. <laughs> that's about your, that's about your you chances. Um, uh, if you're, you know, if you're curious and you're well read and entrepreneurs um, are so strong when they have time to do mm-hmm. thinking and reading, having a balance and, you know, customer interfacing, yeah, all of that. You know, Lou Gerthner told me one time, I don't know, he spent like 19 out of 20 days of the month on the road. Wow. You know, he had like one day and he says, how in the world will I know what's going on and when to pivot if I'm not out there? Yes, but there has to be a balance, right? So I talk about working on the clouds of your business versus working in the weeds of your business, right? Right? In the weeds, it's all about execution. It's what you see three. It's all about execution. what you see three feet in front of you. But in the clouds, you know, twenty thousand feet, you get to see where you were, where you are now, and where you're going. But I always tell people, don't look at your business from the clouds alone, because you'll right. miss something. And that's that's kind of let's, that's let's, right. let's, Let's bring technology back into this, because if you become so reliant on technology in your business, you know, there could be data points that you're not measuring. You could have an incorrect algorithm where you've weighted those points differently and it's going to it's going to wind up putting you in the wrong place. And and so you you. To your point, there has to be that human element of it where it's your gut instinct or it's your board of directors or board of advisors who are looking at your situation and saying, this is an aberration. It's not time to pivot. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you, you know, two good examples. Look at Dick's Sporting Goods and, and Dollar General. You know, an entrepreneur needs to understand right, right now, why is Dollar just killing it? And Dix is losing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of economic trends. There's a lot of societal trends that are going on. Right. Um, Dix kind of said, let's not really get interested in this online stuff until it was too late. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know this. Dollar has an unbelievable online ordering system. I did not know that. Uh, they got a great on. If you go to Dollar and you look at their online ordering system, it is it is uh, excellent. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they executed in the weeds. Yeah. But they saw the trend coming where, you know, America as a whole is looking a lot closer to dollar than they are dicks. Right. I, I think that's when you know, you got to know all that stuff. So when your time comes to pivot or, or stay the course, because either one can be an excellent decision. Either one. Right. Um, I've seen people stay the course and boy, that, that they... I got one right now. It's a company with a hundred and I don't know twenty-seven stores. It's an Oxford member, mm-hmm. and I am pleading with them to pivot. And the entrepreneur says, "No, we're going to stay the course." Yeah. Uh, and you know, one of us is right in the fun of it, and he's he's a great entrepreneur. We're having a good time debating that. Yeah. Um, and but you do have to make a decision one way or another, and you just want to be curious, well read, and don't quit. And things things tend to turn out better than it does for me when I go to Vegas and bet on red and black. <laughs> well, it's funny, man. I'll be in Vegas next week, so should I bet red or black? <laughs> you know what? Go black. Stay in the black. Right? <laughs> Always bet black. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but it, it, you know, a, a lot. You know, a lot of what you're talking about, too, is, you know, some people can, you know, that that uh, phrase, uh, uh, 
paralysis by analysis, right? So some people, right. they, they get afraid to make that decision uh, be, be, because they know the the outcome could potentially derail their company. It could take a very profitable company and turn it, you know, put it behind the eight ball in a matter of months. I've, I've seen that happen to my clients. Actually, uh, yep. uh, Norm, Bro- yep. Norm Brodsky, who's a, who's a friend of mine and, uh, you know, incredibly successful entrepreneur, uh, wrote in his book, The Knack, about how he had an incredibly profitable company and he drove it into bankruptcy in 18 months by buying another company that, you know, became an albatross around his neck and it just drove him into the ground. The good news for Norm is he rebounded. Um, But, uh, you know, that, that, that is something that keeps entrepreneurs up at night, right? It's that whole trying to determine, uh, what the future is, right? We all go to bed at night saying, you know, what does my tomorrow look like? And what is the next week and next month, next year? And that, and that largely has to do uh, with the types of personalities we are. I say there are three types of, of business owners. There's reactive, there's proactive, and there's predictive. And, and I want to say that, that the overwhelming majority of business owners are reactive. So some, some yep. you know, fire pops up, got to put it out. They, they uh, that same fire came up, I'm going to put it out again. And they don't look to see where the root cause is of that fire. And, and right. so, you know, one of the things that I constantly recommend, whether I'm speaking or in a blog post or whatnot, is determine what type of personality you have. Are you a, are you a reactive person, a proactive person or predictive? I say 99% of us are either reactive or proactive. So if you're reactive, figure out a way to become proactive so that you can, you can get ahead of these obstacles and, and they don't do stop you from, from your, you know, your objective, but that predictive entrepreneur, and I'd like you to talk about this is somebody who knows not only where their company is going to be next week, next month, but they know where they're going to be in five years. So they anticipate all of the obstacles and they have the answers for them. They know exactly what they're going to do. So when they, they, they don't even slow down when that obstacle pops up, whether it's cash flow or it's, um, you know, a competitor yeah. in the marketplace. H- how does somebody become that type of business owner? How does somebody become predictive? You know the predictive um, entrepreneurial model is, is is all is the is the big winner. And what I have seen with entrepreneurs who do that, the last thing they do, by the way, is go out and do a customer survey. Mm-hmm. It's not the customer's job to tell you what they want in the future. It's 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 our job to figure that out before they even figure it out. Right. And, and, and wait, you know, let me stop you there for a second because that's such an, an important point because everybody believes now that we live in a customer-centric world where they are controlling the discussion, right? They're controlling it right. online and they're talking to each other and they're posting reviews. So everybody thinks the customer is in control and we now need to serve the customer. But what you're saying is we need to tell the customer what they want. Oh, yeah. I'm a big believer of, of the Steve Jobs philosophy on that. I think he never did one. What do you call it when you go out and do the customer focus groups? Yeah. Um, and I think the customer is in charge of the reactive world. Yes. I think they're in charge, but they're not anywhere in charge of the predictive world. And 
and you know the way to do this, Brian, is uh, is to and it, it, figure out who your customer is first. Are you the Ritz Carlton or you're the Motel Six? Right. You know, both brands are great brands. Sure. And and you, but you, that's the first thing you got to figure out who my customer is that I'm going to serve and know what they want to, to do before they do. Right. So once you figure that out, you can really start honing in on that. Let's just call it the days in customer. Mm-hmm. We can really hone in on day, miss, Mr. Days in. Right. And miss days in. And, and when, and, and as you do, you learn more about them and you can start anticipating what they want before they do. Now, if you're all over the board trying to serve everybody, you can't do that. Right. This is why customer segmentation is way underrated. Uh, and you got to put the flag in the sand yeah. and say, oh, you know, sooner or later, you know, I'm going to be Hardy, uh-huh. one of my favorite brands. But, <laughs> you know, Hardy's finally said, you know, we're not going to serve salads around here. We're not going to try to get people in with a, you know, a light green salad. Right. We're going to serve the double baconator, and that's who we are. Right. And uh, they've done a great job. By the way, they, you know, they're breaking away from Carl's. Okay. And uh, because they're doing so well. Um, and you've got to, that's the way to do it. You've got to first know who your customer is. Right. And segment them, study them, and be out there with them. And don't go on, on site asking, I'm here so you can tell me what I should do. Right. Right. You know, that's that, that's probably one of my pet peeves. When I hear entrepreneurs do that, uh, you're just telling the customer you don't know anything. Yeah. You don't study them. You don't really understand your business. And it's their job to tell you that. But if you go out there and just ask questions mm-hmm. and, and say, what do you need? You know, one of the, you know, uh, not to belabor this, but one of the best things we ever did at STI, I started getting words that customers wanted this and customers wanted this. So, I, we put we took one of our inside people and said, I want you to call our top 100 customers and just ask this question. What do you need? What do you need from us? They did this. We brought in the 100 answers, and everybody on the senior management team, mouth fell to the floor. Um, and, and, and we didn't say, what should we do in the future? Just what do you need today? What can we do for you today? And that data was just unbelievable. And from that, we devised, we, you know, we, we devised a plan that was predictive. So uh, that's, that's how we've seen it work. And we have a big part of this in the Oxford Center where we really hound out the, uh, we call it our, 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 you know, the brand plan. And this is not some trying to figure out what's our mission statement. The brand plan is figuring out who your customer is. Mm-hmm. And who are you going to say goodbye to? Oh, by the right. Way? Who are you not going to call on anymore? Right. Right. And, you know, when I get to that part, there's more ands and ifs and buts. <laughs> oh, we can do that. But if <clears throat> ands, buts. No, you've got to figure out you cannot be Motel 6 where the highest expe- expectation is to leave the light on for right. you. Right. Right. And go over and try to serve a Ritz Carlton customer who wants you to say, you know, every time they you see them, they want you to know their name where they ate and, you know, and run like crazy to get more towels if, if they want that. Yeah, this, this is such a, a critical point that you're making, I, I, you know, and, and, and tying it back into our topic, how technology is, is disrupting business. 
you know, you you put that overarching theme into it, and it's it's the why we're in business, right? We're in business to serve our customers. But what you're saying is, but we need to tell them what they want. We need to predict the future. Absolutely. And why that's so important for growing entrepreneurial companies is that we have a finite amount of resources. So if we're constantly in reactive mode, oh, today they told us they want red sweaters. Next week, it's going to be blue. The week after that, it's going to be yellow. (laughs) And so you're constantly going to be shifting inventory to try and please your customer rather than being the expert in the marketplace. You're going to tell them red sweaters are in fashion all season long. And that's what we stock because that's so you become kind of the trendsetter. And, And so if you are the Motel 6, you're telling people this is the best service that you can expect in this segment of the hotel industry. We're going to set the trend. Absolutely. And and I, I think that, w- w- again, with a finite amount of resources, it's imperative that a successful company shoot to become somewhere between proactive and predictive and get out of that reactive mod- mode. One of the most interesting I'm watching right now is QT. You have QTs up north, right? That's the quick service gas stations. You go in there and you can get a pizza. You almost can take out a bank loan right now, I believe, and get gas. I'll be visiting them at um, noon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that whole segment, the upscale convenience store, if you will, you know, they went out and upgraded their food. They upgraded uh, everything in there. And the numbers are showing they're not getting a payback on it. They're not getting a return on their investment. Um, number one, you got a lot of fast food stores who decided we're not going to let them guys encroach on us. Um, and number two, it, lo- it looks as if the customer really didn't want a great burrito sandwich in there. They really didn't really want a pizza in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when you stop at the gas station, it's still a gas station. Right. Uh, now, while I'm getting gas, I may run in and get a honey bun, but I don't want to. I don't care what kind of hamburger it is. I don't care. So they made these major investments, and it's kind of funny watching the numbers and seeing the customer really doesn't agree with it. So is that is that the difference then between an aberration and a pivot? Maybe that that the the business owner does need to have their finger on the pulse of what's happening in their industry. You know, this is somebody sold them on that. This is a great incremental yep. revenue stream for yep. our business, but nobody said, does the market want this now? Now, Steve jobs would tell you, I tell the market what it wants, but Apple is kind of one of those, you know, rare breeds, right? The, well, the, and the, he also did a lot of, but I, you know, jobs, he made a lot of mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes and he, he also did, you know, he, he stayed pretty close to what he wanted as as a consumer. I think it was. I think you could argue Jobs was consumer centric, customer centric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he, he uh, stayed. He stayed focused in that world. But it's yeah. it's it's a marriage of you know, kind of listening to what the consumers are saying, so that you don't steer too far off course. See, but you you want to give the impression that you are out in front leading the band. Absolutely. See, I, I would argue, I bet you at QT, and I'm not going to mention the other one because they're a member. All right. <laughs> no, Racetrack. Out there, they're good folks over there. But um, I would argue, particularly at QT, because I think they missed it the most. QT, 
their leadership team and management team, they were not out. They forgot. They were not out there in the gas bays talking to customers, listening to customers. And you know what? I think that's a really, you know, in the age of big data, which we, I'm, you know, we really need, you got to still be out there in the gas bays. A hundred percent agree. If you're in the, in the QT business, you better be out there in the gas bays. You better be in the line at you know where they're getting those hot dogs. Those those things were horrible, by the way. <laughs> and they sold the daylight side. Right, right. That's what the customer wanted. But, but it, it, the customer. <laughs> so it is, it is a marriage. In order to be predictive, you have to be you have to be uh, have a balance of you know taking the big data in, analyzing it. Being out in front of your customers, talking to them, what do they like? What they don't they like? Who are some of the competitors that they are, you know, shopping with or talking to, right? So it, it's a balance, really, of your of your world, the big picture and and the weeds. It, it is, you know. I tell entrepreneurs all the time. I say you can stay in that office, and I promise you, you'll be busy all day long. People will stop by and talk, and you'll be busy, and you'll work twelve hours. Like you would if you were out, but if you're not there, it's amazing how things still get done without the entrepreneur being mm-hmm. there. In many cases, better. Um, get out there. You you've got to be customer interfacing, right. uh, and and then l- to be predictive. And then the the big data makes a lot more sense when you look at it, rather than being sold on something. And you said something very important, Brian. I guarantee you, QT was sold on this idea serving gourmet sandwiches inside. Somebody went to them and said, your customers would love gourmet sandwiches. Right. It sounds kind of logical. Right. But they, but that they were sold on that rather than going out there searching for that. Right. All right. So, so we're actually in the home stretch and, and, and I want to tie everything all together because in my opinion, this is one of the best podcasts that I've been a part of and I've done the listening for 95% of the time. <laughs> and that's why I called you the one and only Cliff Oxford, because you have a way of seeing the big picture in business and then understanding all the little nuances and how it can help your members grow their company. So, you know, what it comes down to is, yes, technology is disrupting every aspect of business. And as you said, that's a good thing, right? The, nobody looks in the rearview mirror and says, oh, I wish I could go back. But in, in order to take advantage of this disruption, which always causes opportunities in the marketplace for those who are paying attention, you have to be somewhere between proactive and predictive, Absolutely. You have to you have to use the big data that's coming in. You got to analyze it, but you also have to be out in the marketplace talking to your customers, talking to your clients, you, you know, understanding how they're using technology to connect with your company and what they want. And then you need to take all that information, come back into your business and draw up a plan, a predictive plan that says, if we do this, our customers will do that. And even if there are some aberrations in the marketplace as we move forward, things that we may have missed, there will be no reason for us to pivot unless something monumental happens. Absolutely. That is is very true. And I think that's well said. There's not much I can add to that because that is uh, the way it's done. I just reiterated everything you said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I tell you, Cliff, as always, you know, I love 
everything you do. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of your morning report. I love the events that you put on. Uh, I think everybody who is is an entrepreneur and who is interested in taking their company to the next level should somehow stay in touch with you. So if I'm if I'm the owner of a growing company, how uh, how can I stay in touch with Cliff Oxford? Well, just send it to info at OxfordCenter.com, O-X-F-O-R-D-C-E-E-N-T-E-R.com. And, you know, we're always trying to add value, and I'll give you one here at the very end. Next Tuesday, Brian, for the first time ever, the NFL right here in Atlanta is going to have a Biz Connect conference. Mm-hmm. This is if you want to win contracts with the NFL or for the Super Bowls. Wow. And I think that's a great thing for entrepreneurs, even if you don't have, you know, to go and just see this. So, you know, it's, that's our job here at the Oxford Center is, is our folks are too busy to keep up with stuff, opportunities like that. Right. But info at OxfordCenter.com is the uh, is the way to get in touch with us. Uh, Cliff, this has been fantastic. Uh, as always, uh, I, I appreciate uh, talking to you. I learned from you. I've taken about four pages of notes while you were speaking. Uh, and for everybody out there listening, thank you for taking the time to um, engage with us. My name is Brian Moran. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Brian Moran, B-E-R-I-A-N. M-O-R-A-N. And I want to thank Oracle uh, very much for sponsoring these podcasts. And we look forward to having you uh, join us on our next one. With that, have a great day. And uh, Cliff, what were the three things that entrepreneurs should do? Be well-read, curious, and don't quit. All right. On that note, thank you, everyone, and enjoy the day. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Oracle. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.